We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. The America's Cup. The symphony of sea and sky and sail. The America's Cup is the world's oldest, most prestigious sailing race. Traditional sailing races can conjure up staid images of white cotton sails and shiny polished teak. But over the last decade, modern racing yachts have turned the cup into an extreme sport. They have these wing-like sails that are the size of jumbo jet wings, and they tip or heel, as it's called in sailing, at what looks like impossible angles towards the water. Nowadays, the huge yachts actually lift up out of the water and seem to fly on things called hydrofoils. On our way, ripping downwind, both boats up on the foils. What an amazing start to this first race. So a hydrofoil is like an underwater wing. I mean, just like the wing of an airplane. It, you know, it sticks out to either side. It's, it's mounted on a stick that comes down sort of below the boat. Um, and then as the boat goes faster, the, the wing generates lift and it picks the boat up. Hydrofoils were first introduced officially in the America's Cup in 2013 with the AC-72 class. That's the name of the boat design used in that race. Hydrofoiling sailboats can go twice the speed of traditional boats. Another tack from Oracle Team USA. Potentially another dip from Emirates Team New Zealand, the boat that has to give way. They were doing over 45 knots or over 50 miles an hour and, uh, you know, sort of on the edge of control, you know, not only sailing the boat and keeping it stable, but also structurally um, the boats are very challenging. This technology itself is not new, but it has been transformative for the race. And it's inspiring naval architects and maritime enthusiasts who are drawn to the speed and efficiency of these hydrofoils. Now some are considering how this hydrofoil technology could reimagine more than just a sailboat race. We realized we had something very special, so went about trying to use that technology to try and tackle the climate crisis. From the Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Janet Babin. Today on the podcast, how hydrofoils used in the America's Cup have revolutionized sailing and whether this technology could transform commercial ferry travel to become more eco-friendly. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. The best way to go faster on the water is apparently to get up and out of it. Traditional sailboats have a keel and lead bulb underneath them, and the counterforce keeps the boat upright and moving forward. But this heavy bulb underneath can also cause drag on the boat. Any kind of boat that touches the water, it's going to suffer from drag. If you're hitting waves, you're hitting friction, and it's going to slow you down. Now, catamarans, those flat, square boats that kind of look like water sleds, they can reduce a bit of that drag. And some of the America's Cup boats have been catamaran designs. 
But hydrofoils take that drag reduction to the next level by lifting the whole boat up and out of the water. The foils look like underwater legs that are splayed out beneath the hull of the boat. As fluid flows over a foil, you have what we call a pressure differential between, say, the lower surface and the upper surface. This is Pete Melvin, co-founder of Morelli and Melvin Design and Engineering. It's a naval architecture firm that designs high-performance boats. If you think of an airplane wing, the lower surface has a higher pressure than the upper surface, so the difference in pressure is what provides the lift. Melvin says these hydrofoils have their own acoustic signature. Foils are typically long, skinny things, and you think about like a tuning fork or something that might vibrate like that. But it's more of a, a whining noise. It's more of a whee. How long has this technology been around? The first hydrofoiling boats were actually motorboats. You know, that was early 1900s. Alexander Graham Bell had a a hydrofoiling boat that did, I think, around 70 miles an hour, you know, way back then. Whoa. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. So it's interesting that the technology has sort of come and gone, and other naval forces around the world were very interested in hydrofoils. In the 1960s and 1970s, a lot of development happened, and there were some magnificent fast patrol boats around 100 feet long that would do 40 or 50 knots say, you know, 50 miles an hour in those days. And back then, they didn't have the materials and also analysis technologies that we have today, the computational methods that we have today to uh, optimize their foils and things like that. I was researching these hydrofoils and happened upon this very cool James Bond movie from the 60s. It was called um, Thunderball. And in the movie, 007 rides a hydrofoil on one of the bad guy's boats. So I guess... Hydrofoils were all the rage back then. It was all the rage in the 60s. Navies around the world were very interested in it because of the high performance of those kind of boats, but it didn't really trickle down into uh, everyday kind of boating. Why did it fall out of favor, though? Most people would just want to go down and turn the key and go out for a nice cruise on their boat, and they don't want to have to, uh, you know, maintain hydrofoils, and it's just very complex and expensive, especially the technology they had in those days. But then these tiny solo sailboats emerge that use hydrofoils, and they're called moths. And solo sailors loved these things because they were able to go super fast and fly. And it was around this same time that people started to experiment with could we use these hydrofoils in a race like the America's Cup? But it took a while, I'm assuming, to perfect, right? These foiling ideas get sort of percolated through hundreds of people tinkering in garages rather than big corporations pushing technology like that. I guess one of the big step changes and foiling interest came in the 2013 America's Cup when the AC-72 catamarans that raced in San Francisco, some of the teams figured out how to make those boats foil, and the performance was so much better. Melvin also had a hand in designing the hydrofoiling boats first used in the 2013 America's Cup. My firm was involved with actually creating the concept for that boat and writing the class rules. And we also, after we were done with that, We went to work for Emirates Team New Zealand, one of the top America's Cup teams. The first race of the America's Cup goes to Emirates Team New Zealand. And 
Our team developed that foiling technology during our uh, development of our America's Cup boat. His team designed the new hydrofoil shape for the racing boats. It curves slightly and has tips that angle up. And that shape helps the boat to keep steady, even as the boats rise up out of the water under high speeds. Before this, it was hard to control a hydrofoil boat as it lifted up on its foils. All the America's teams had to adapt very quickly to that technology or else they were going to be left behind. And that really brought foiling, I think, into the mainstream consciousness But even with the new design, it is still a constant battle between stability and speed. I mean, this is a race. The racing teams have to go as fast as possible, but if they go too fast, they can lose their balance. These boats, if they're going so much faster, are they dangerous? Yeah, they are quite dangerous. They're doing over 45 knots or over 50 miles an hour and, you know, sort of on the edge of control. You know, not only sailing the boat and keeping it stable, but also structurally, the boats are very challenging. But they have a big advantage way beyond speed in a competition. If applied to motorboats, hydrofoils would have less drag in the water, so they would use less fuel and have lower greenhouse gas emissions than traditional motorboats. Foiling technology, whether it's a fully foiling boat, like the America's Cup boats we were just talking about, or what we call foil assist technology, where the foil is lifting part of the boat out of the water. Those technologies can yield 30 to 60% fuel economy improvement over vessels that don't have that technology. An International Maritime Organization study estimated that shipping emitted just over 3% of annual global CO2 emissions between 2007 and 2012. But marine transportation is also responsible for 46% of the oil that finds its way into the ocean, either from accidental leakage or intentional discharge. That's according to the National Research Council, an offshoot of the National Academy of Sciences. That can have an impact on the entire ecosystem. That's part of the reason companies are investing in hydrofoil technology beyond racing. After the break, we'll talk about how commuters could get that hydrofoil flying experience on environmentally friendly hydrofoil passenger ferries. Join the Wall Street Journal at the Future of Everything Festival on May 21st to 23rd in New York City, where diverse global newsmakers share unique perspectives on navigating a changing world. Immerse yourself in live performances, explore pioneering technologies, and indulge in the city's inventive culinary scene. As a podcast listener, enjoy 20% off current ticket rates with code PODCAST. Visit wsj.com slash f-o-e-f podcast to secure your spot. Even non-racing fans may have seen a hydrofoil last year when Swedish teenage environmentalist Greta Thunberg arrived in New York Harbor on a zero-carbon yacht. Crowds of people cheered on Greta Thunberg as she completed her voyage into Manhattan. Thunberg had been invited to New York to address the United Nations Climate Action Summit. She was there to demand that the world address climate change and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. But she's one of the most prominent environmental voices of our time, and she was not going to travel by plane. If enough people stand together, fight for the right thing, then anything can happen. 
Instead, Thunberg made a two-week transatlantic voyage aboard one of the world's fastest and most environmentally friendly hydrofoil yachts. It wasn't just that it was a boat instead of an airplane. Like we said, hydrofoil technology is more fuel efficient than a typical yacht, and this yacht actually generates electricity using solar panels and underwater turbines. Thunberg made the trip without making a single carbon footprint. Now granted, this was not luxury travel. The yacht is actually very similar to the ones used in the America's Cup sailboat race, and almost as bare bones. There is no bathroom or head, as they call it, on board, and few other amenities. It was very surprisingly good. Uh, I did not feel seasick once. But that fuel efficiency, that low environmental impact, that's actually part of the reason big names are betting on hydrofoiling as the future of maritime passenger travel. One of the companies innovating with this hydrofoil tech is led by Thunberg's fellow countryman, Torben Tornquist. Um, Stop my audio now, so... Tornquist is a sailing enthusiast. He's also a billionaire. He founded Artemis Racing, one of the teams that's competed in the America's Cup. My colleague Aaron Kuriloff joined me on a hangout with Tornquist. Okay. Oh, it looks like we have Aaron here now. Yes, how are you? Hi there. It's wonderful to see you again. Yeah, likewise. Well, it's good. The two first met when he was covering the America's Cup in his spare time. And Aaron was desperate to talk shop. You guys made it all the way to the Challenger finals. And the analysis on the boat was it was uh, one of the fastest boats on the course. Tell me a little bit about then how you came to decide to do Artemis Technologies as a spinoff. It was really just to keep the uh, team together. We're still keeping the team together in just the event for the not sure what the future will bring. The company may have cut its hydrofoil technology teeth developing racing sailboats, but now it wants to put foil innovation to more widespread use. To do that, it started by calling up a sailor who knows racing, an Olympic sailor. I'm Ian Percy. I'm uh, CEO of a new company called Artemis Technologies, which is a spin-off from an America's Cup team. Percy was a tactician on the Artemis racing team, and the two have always got on really well together. He never told me to shut up, so I think we were enjoying ourselves. <laughs> but he really was into the technology as well, so we had to have endless discussions together on that. Now he's the CEO of Artemis Technologies and is working on the hydrofoil passenger ferry. Hydrofoil ferry boats have been around for more than 30 years. Hong Kong and Japan, among other nations, use them. But these ferries are powered by jet fuel. Even with hydrofoiling cutting down on drag, that fuel is still a lot more expensive and dirtier for the environment than the hydrofoil ferry Artemis is building. The prototype looks similar to a ferry boat you'd see in any major city. What's different about the design is what's going on underneath the boat. The engine is in the hydrofoil, with the propeller attached to the carbon fiber hydrofoil. That engine is powered by batteries that are recharged by electricity from wind farms. The boat will be able to go 100 nautical miles with just one charge. The hydrofoil will lift the ferry boat up, but the foil stays pretty much under the water. Still, the concept significantly reduces the drag on the boat by about 70%. 
Percy says the prototype could work in lots of cities that already use ferries, or even some that don't. Normally, when you were trying to decongest the city, you had too much cars on your road. Putting a boat in would be a solution, but it would be per passenger mile about three or four times more than a boat. But with the electric hydrofoiling solution we have, it comes in at half the cost per passenger mile of the person in the car. That can save on fuel and emissions. A 2012 study from the IMO, the International Maritime Organization, reports that ferries emit 28 metric tons of carbon dioxide annually. Artemis forecasts that this system will reduce 77 million cubic meters of potential maritime CO2 or carbon dioxide emissions by 2026. Artemis has partnered with a company in Belfast, Ireland on the project. Percy and Tornquist applied for a grant from the British government to develop their prototype. Belfast City are very excited about that because they have, like a lot of places, a water-based population that people are coming in to work or leisure and sitting in traffic jams on roads that really can't be made bigger and train lines that are not fulfilling the needs and, and totally overcrowded. A boat can carry a load up to 40 ton, which is significant. It has a top speed of 40 knots, a cruising speed of 35 knots. 35 knots is a very fast thing. That translates to a top speed of about 48 miles per hour with a cruising speed of 40. So Tornquist's boat would be twice as fast, according to the prototype, and emit zero greenhouse gas emissions compared to non-foiling ferries. But Tornquist is also CEO of Gunvor, a global commodity trading group. He's made billions of dollars trading oil. Diesel fuel is one of the dirtiest fuels, and most boats, ferries, and recreational boats alike rely on it. There's no way we can get rid of fossil fuels. But we can focus on getting rid of the dirtiest one. And I think that's, that is a challenge. And I don't see that contradict what we are doing. Tornquist has high hopes that the ferry design will spread beyond Belfast to many other cities. Yeah, like San Francisco, London... Paris, New York, Belfast, Hong Kong. I would say we haven't talked to them yet, but in Venice, it's a big thing, pollution and wakes, yeah? So this would be a perfect thing to do. I'm not sure they can handle the speed there, but um, the fact is that various rivers and uh, the potential for it is big. That potential would be even bigger if there were a way to upgrade more ferries to electric motors and hydrofoils. We really are keen that we can transform the existing ferries and reuse it. We don't want to be having to rebuild every ship because that's not really our goal. So we can retrofit, say, the existing ferries in San Francisco or the Hudson to use the new electric foiling drive and give more life to that ferry. That could reduce emissions from passenger ferries, but a lot of the maritime pollution and emissions comes from huge oil tankers, bulk carriers, and container ships. According to the International Maritime Organization, they're the biggest emitters of greenhouse gases on the water. Can you ever do this on a tanker? No, you can never do that. I think we've got to be realistic what we are talking about. It is a, a small step in the, in the marine transportation area. I think the, for, for the bigger ships, bulk carriers, tankers, you know, uh, container shipping and big, big ferries. Uh, we need other solutions. And I think that solutions is uh, down the road, probably hydrogen or what we call LNG, 
liquid natural gas. Uh, but today we don't really have a solution for those, uh, this type of transportation. It will come. But Tornquist is a businessman. Could this be an investment that will also pay off? After our call, I asked Aaron Kurloff about it, who's been covering the oil trader for years. All right. So, uh, Aaron, what did you think? For Gunvor, uh, the effort jives with the company's own energy transition strategies. Uh, those have included ceasing to trade coal, for example, while expanding operations in areas like biofuels and renewable-based power generation. Gunvor also has around $100 billion in financing linked to meeting various sustainability goals where they actually get a lower interest rate if they meet certain targets. For a company the size of his, it's a, I mean, it's a... A long shot, you know, bet that doesn't have to pay off, really. I mean, they're not going to notice that in the bottom line. Plus, uh, you know, another thing, they'd already invested a lot in the technology. So this wasn't a question of why don't we start doing this? It was like, well, we've put all this money into this. What if we just saw what the commercial potential of it was with minimal ongoing investment, relatively minimal ongoing investment? But as with any new technology, there will be downsides. We asked our sailor-slash-engineer Pete Melvin what hydrofoil technology will have to overcome to become more widely adopted. Yes, they are generally, you know, more expensive than, say, a similar kind of vessel that does not have hydrofoils. There is more maintenance. Uh, some other potential issues with foils are if you hit, you know, say, floating objects, uh, logs or large nets or things like that that may be, you know, floating in the water or even potentially uh, marine mammals occasionally have, have been hit with foiling boats, but it's fairly rare in reality. But to Melvin, hydrofoiling's downsides are minimal. His company's also working to create a hydrofoil passenger ferry prototype. But the firm will have to deal with lots of competition, and not just from Artemis. Many other companies are working on hydrofoil ferries that use electric power generation. The Belfast Ferry is expected to start passenger trips by early 2023. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. Lee Camping-Carter is the digital director of The Future of Everything. This episode's sound designer is Sarah Gibble-Laska. Special thanks to our colleague Aaron Kurloff, who reported this piece. He also answered all of our sailing questions, and there were many of them. Our producer is Casey Georgie. Kateri Yoakum is The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. I'm Janet Babin. Thanks for listening. <laughs>